Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com It's a brand new year, so make a brand new you by joining the SRF Resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. ProWrestlingTees.com Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talents worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and enjoy your 20% discount for the first five days of the new year and support indie wrestling today. GetAcreGold.com the online subscription service that delivers gold discreetly to your front door. Grow your gold stash using the affiliate link getacregold.com backslash horseman to start your subscription. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at get underscore acre and tell them the Hami Media Group sent you for an opportunity to win a free gold bar. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It is Friday, January 31st, 2020, and you are tuned in to Hitting the Super Bowl here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, and live at twitch.tv backslash conspiracy horseman. This week's show brought to you by Get Acre Gold. Visit them at Twitter at get underscore acres and visit them online, getacregold.com backslash horseman for your opportunity to win a free gold bar. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's the deep threat. He's big Stevie Cool, Stevie Richards. Stevie, how's your week going, man? You ready for the big game? It's going great. I'm uh, I'm so excited to get actually schooled and uh, see what separates a fan from a real football player in this episode. So I plan on uh, I'm in I'm in his locker room today. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. Also joining us today from the Hameen family, as far as I know, making his debut here at Hameen Media, Mr. Jeff Sanders. Jeff, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you for having me on. So before we jump into the Super Bowl, we were talking off air, and I think this is actually the best place to start. Media week for the Super Bowl is typically one of the biggest newsmaking weeks of the entire season. And this year, there's a whole lot of nothing. Number one, the teams are not talking a whole lot of trash about one another outside of a couple instances, which we could talk about. But number two, there was the passing of Kobe Bryant earlier this week, and that has just absolutely dominated the media cycle. Stevie, are you an NBA fan at all? I'm really not. But when you talk about somebody like Kobe Bryant, he really, as they do in all the tributes that are doing, he transcended just a game of basketball. So uh, there's not really a person on this planet who does not know who Kobe Bryant is. Yeah, there, it, it's one of the things Rick and I was talking about earlier this week. It's like there's over and then there's Kobe Bryant over. Like everybody on the face of the planet knows who Kobe Bryant is, whether you're a basketball fan or not. Jeff, how about yourself? Are you an NBA fan? I'm a casual NBA fan. Uh, I try to keep up with it as much as I can just to try and keep my fingers in all the sports. But uh, I agree with Stevie. I mean, you got Hulk Hogan who transcended for WWF, which was now WWE. And then Kobe Bryant is one of the few names, Michael Jordan, that you got to mention with that everybody across the nation is going to know whether or not they know anything about basketball. Kobe Bryant's a name they definitely know. 
Yeah, absolutely. There will be a very special Kobe Bryant tribute edition of HTM Sports coming out later on this weekend. We've got some star-studded guests lined up for that one. Excited about it. I'm going to be recording all day. I'm not going to get any sleep. It's going to be awesome. Uh, But gentlemen, we've got a a kind of a big game to talk about this weekend. Just to throw it into a little bit of historical context, you have number one, the Kansas City Chiefs seeking their first Super Bowl since 1970 in the final matchup between the AFL and the NFL, Super Bowl IV. And then on the other hand, a team with a bit more recent success, the San Francisco 49ers, seeking their sixth championship, which is going to tie Pittsburgh and New England if they can pull it off for the most Lombardi trophies. Gentlemen, we've got a whole lot to talk about. We're going to go through the coaches. We're going to go through the quarterbacks, the offenses, the defenses, and maybe we can change each other's minds here a little bit. So I'm going to do something a little different. At the end, I'm going to ask for a prediction, but I'm going to ask for a prediction right now. Jeff, who do you got for the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday? Uh, I mean, to start, I think I'm just as confused as Vegas. I mean, the one and a line was a really strange line and it hasn't had much action to it um i would i right now sitting here before we go into it i will take the 49ers 49ers stevie you are you leaning chiefs and are you gonna go with mahomes or are you gonna trust in jimmy g to bring the six lombardi back to san francisco the uh the video game guy the espn nfl 2k5 fan of me definitely wants the chiefs style of game to be played out realistically this could be a very boring games of runs and defense which would be the niners all the way could be like a a 12 nothing or 12 six game by the time we're done i know i keep hearing this narrative that take the over it's going to be a high scoring game it could be like 48 45 and i'm like yeah it could very easily be 10 to 7 as well like i i have a feeling this is not going to be a high scoring game in any way shape or form yeah, it's strange. I mean, it's uh, you have a matchup between two teams where they're both strong against each other, you know, offensively and defensively, and then they both have weak spots at the same, you know, look at the 49ers red zone defense. Inside the 20, they're they're not a very good team. They're, they're bottom third of the league. Now, the Chiefs lead the league in first downs, but they're bottom third of the league when it comes to scoring points inside the 20. So you're, something's going to have to give between those two weaknesses, and then obviously something's going to have to give when it comes to strengths. That's 49ers defense, top echelon defense. They've allowed the least yards to receivers, and then you got the, the Chiefs who have a whole stable of wide receivers that can go off at any point in time. So it's definitely could you're right could be 48 45 by the end one of the best super bowls we've ever seen or it could be you know last year was what 10 to 6 uh patriots rams and that was a boring game for people who don't like defense myself in particular i enjoyed the game um but for the casual fan a 10 to 6 is obviously not ideal stevie what kind of game are you pulling for are you pulling for a a, a high scoring shootout or are you looking for a defensive struggle I appreciated last year with the Super Bowl. As I learned more and more about football, I appreciated the defense. And, and obviously, the commentators in the TV presentation lend to educating as, as many casual fans as they can do. So I, I don't have any complaints about that. And then the pass to Gronk towards the end of the game really meant a lot. So psychology-wise, coming from a wrestler, it, it meant a lot that they worked for that, for that moment which is what we're all looking for with the Super Bowl as well. 45, 42 or whatever could be like the moments could bleed together 
into the the thing that can make it exciting. I was going to say one thing about defense. You know, is there a, a point, Jeff, at this part, uh, you know, at this point in the season to put the Super Bowl that the Chiefs have a chip on their shoulder? They remind, the defense reminds me of the Eagles a little bit going to the Super Bowl. Like nobody gives them a chance of stopping the Niners in the run. And as a Niners defense, maybe like it came a little bit too easy to share with how dominant they were. Yeah, I think um, everybody kind of points at the stats, a broad brushstroke it, right? So the Chiefs were terrible against the run all year. Well, in the NFL, it's a what have you done for me lately? It's not indicative of how they've played over the last three, four games. I mean, talk about Derrick Henry, who was the most dangerous running back. They call him the king. He comes, they go into to KC and he gets absolutely shut down. Now, Titans more of a one-dimensional team, obviously, I think, than than San Fran. Ryan Daniels not as good a quarterback as Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and the wide receivers, you know, there's an argument for A.J. Brown being better than Debo Samuel, but kind of same and one and the same receiver uh, as far as talent-wise. Their style's a little bit different, but down Mostert. I mean, Mostert went absolutely crazy. 220 yards, I think it was, 7.6 yards a carry. They're going to have to shut him down, but then they're going to have to worry about, I mean, George Kittle's an absolute beast. Debo Samuel is a freak. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is still doing a good job all these years later and playing in his in the Super Bowl. So um, they're going to have to focus on shutting down the run, but I think you're right, Steve. I think the Chiefs have done a better job of that lately, certainly, than they did in the first maybe 12 to 13 weeks. I want to do a little, I, you know, if you can customize lineups in a little bit in a video game, which you can't really do these days, I would love to see Kittle cover Kelsey and Kelsey cover Kittle. Like, yeah. <laughs> just play defense on the opposite side of the tight ends and see those guys go at it the entire game. Yeah, they're two. I mean, when you're talking about best tight ends in the NFL right now, uh, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, the, you know, those are the top three. It's runaway. I think. Zach Ertz, for me, pound for pound, receiving-wise, is the best tight end in the league. But when you're talking about blocking and overall, I mean, George Kittle slotted in. You know, Rob Gronkowski retires. George Kittle steps up to the plate, and I think he's – I mean, he's phenomenal, and he's a tenacious blocker, which not a lot of tight ends who are good receivers can say. Did you see the uh, Pentagon Jr. and uh, George Kittle video, Stevie? No, I didn't. I know he's a huge wrestling fan. Yeah, they, they had a nice little exchange that they, they ended up posting on YouTube. It's rather entertaining. George Kittle, a huge Pentagon Jr. fan. Pentagon actually he had a special mask made all in the 49ers colors. Very cool stuff. Uh, Stevie, I, I got to ask you, as an Eagles fan, isn't there part of you, at least, that's pulling for Andy Reid in this game? Isn't Andy Reid like the ultimate baby face in this game? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, well, they're both baby faces. There's like you got you were talking earlier. Nobody's really talking trash outside of like Sherman and the the Kansas City defense, especially Frank Clark. But with Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, they each have their own albatrosses that they've been carrying. Reid for a lot longer, five NFC championships. Uh, then supposedly somebody got sick during the Super Bowl, so they lost to the Patriots in Jacksonville. And Shanahan, I mean. You want to talk about a turnaround, Jeff, in in uh, philosophy the, with that Super Bowl against the Patriots? They are definitely not going to play the game that way. 
Absolutely not. I think, well, Sean McVay was really being touted as, you know, the up and coming coach. He had all the brand new philosophy on offense. He's a young guy. He's a player's coach. Um, and then you'd look at Kyle and then he flopped ultimately. Um, and he, he admitted he was overprepared, which is something you can do in football. You can outcoach yourself. And McVay did that. And he was, he was honest and open about it, which is, you know, a mark for him. But Kyle Shanahan, I don't think there's any be- anybody better in the league for scheming his eyes. He will get his offense rolling. If you shut one thing down, they got the three-headed monster, right? Tevin Coleman, Matt Breda, and Raheem Mostert. Okay, if you if you take them away, well, now I got George Kittle, I got Debo Samuel, I got Emmanuel Sanders. And they, they, they have a good offensive line. Joe Staley has been doing it, what, since 2007, I think he was drafted. He's anchored that line for a long time, and he, he gave up two sacks this year. So I think Kyle Shanahan, probably a better coach than Sean McVay, and I think he will absolutely scheme his guys uh, to be open to be able to make plays. Well, dude, he's got his dad, too. They got two head coaches on the Niners. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Mike Shanahan, but he needs to remember what he did uh, in Denver. Um, you know, it wasn't as flashy in, in Washington, but, I mean, he, he put RG3 in the situation to win when he was in Washington. Um, maybe him and Dan Snyder rushed RG3 back when he had what well, <laughs> his knee was 10%. It kind of ended up ruining his career, in my, in my opinion, but... Uh, as far as coaching goes, offensively, you've got two brilliant guys on that side of the ball. Let's compare the two coaches a little bit. Andy Reid, head coach since 1999 in Philadelphia. He was 130-93-1 with a 583 winning percentage. Kansas City, 77-35 and with a 688 win percentage. Overall, 207-128-1 and with a 618 win percentage. 14-14 and in the postseason, 0-1 in the Super Bowl as is very near and dear to Stevie's heart. 22 and five though, off of a bye week. I think that's important going into a Super Bowl game. It's going to be not only which of these two teams is better, which one is better prepared. And Andy Reid, Stevie, he has a history of being ready to go coming off of a bye week. Well, it's it, it's a great point about the bye week because that's exactly when the Chiefs turned it around this year. When Patrick Mahomes got healthy and when the defense started to click was off of that late bye week during the season. He's got a lot to prove that 14 and 14, you might be like, well, 28 postseason games, you know, that's awesome. He's been there. That's like, I think that's only second to Belichick, but 14 losses in the postseason, which five of those came in the NFC championship game. That's uh that's pretty, pretty telling. It's he's at the crossroads right now. He literally has to win this to become that cemented hall of famer or after this year, of course, they're not going to fire him, but there's always going to be that question. I don't know, man. I we, we talked about it going into the championship game. If Andy Reid had to win this game, because we have seen teams before where they move on from a coach just to take that next step, and I, I really don't want to see that happen to Andy Reid. Jeff, any thoughts on Andy Reid, his coaching career? What do you think he's going to have schemed up for Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers? Well, I think uh, what gets lost in the Kansas City offense is the ability of Damian Williams to make plays. Um, I think Andy Reid underutilized him throughout the regular season, but that's because he's got so many superstar mouths to feed when it comes to Travis Kelsey, 
uh, obviously Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, um, Demarcus Robinson's out there making plays. A guy named Byron Pringle <laughs> was making a, plenty of plays for the Chiefs. Um, those are guys that nobody's ever heard of. And Andy Reid's scheming them in, into a position to where they become, you know, oh, you know, maybe I need to do my homework on Byron Pringle. Maybe we need to start trying to scheme for that. Um, you know, Shinahan's probably t- telling Robert Soleil, hey, let's uh, let's come up with a plan for McCole Hardman or Sammy Watkins. And when that happens, you know, Andy Reid's going to say, well, Tyreek Hill's going to be open. Kelsey's going to be open. And my X factor, Damian Williams, the guy can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's super explosive. He's another guy who can score anytime he's got the ball. So I think Andy Reid's going to, I think Andy Reid's going to involve Damian Williams a lot more um, than he has been over the last, we'll say 16, 17 weeks, really. I was going to say Pringle better catch a touchdown pass because he's got a ready made friggin' uh, endorsement deal right after that. Two touchdown passes. Pringles is going to pay you a million dollars, my friend. Yeah, once you pop, you can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> once you once you get popped, you do get stopped, right? In that wellness <laughs> policy. <laughs> Just ask Andrade, right? Um, oh. I, I, I did think it was uh, entertaining the other day, Eric Bieniemy coming out and saying, yeah, every play is designed for Mahomes to get a touchdown. Every play. Like, we, we don't have a play that's, you know, we're, we're trying to get three yards on first down. Every play is designed for Mahomes to get a touchdown. I thought that was nice. Um, let, let's talk about Kyle Shanahan. First time head coach. He's been in the league since 2004, though. He's worked underneath John Gruden, Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan, his dad, Mike Patini, as well as Dan Quinn. Head coach since 2017. Quite the comparison to Andy Reid. A record of 23 and 25. Part of that because Jimmy G blew out his ACL last year and they only won like what four games. Um, six and ten, four and twelve, thirteen and three, two and zero oh in the postseason. His first appearance in the postseason. And hell, he could easily go three and zero oh and have himself a Super Bowl. Jeff, what do you think of Kyle Shanahan? Should we buy this rookie head coach? I'll tell you, I'd buy him. Um, he's his his calm, cool, collected attitude is beyond his years as far as head coaching goes. I think if you you look at his interviews, you know across the board, uh, he's got it together. When you looked at Sean McVay, and I just I go back to that because it's a similar situation. Young coach doing it very early on in his career, McVay looked like the lights were a little too big for him, right? I think Kyle Shanahan looks like. He's got it together. He, he said, you know, if we had to play Sunday, meaning the day they played the Pro Bowl, his team would be ready to go. You know, it's a double-edged sword. Like I said before, you can be overprepared. Um, but I don't think I don't think Shanahan's a guy who does that. So my personal opinion, I'm buying Shanahan. I think he's an offensive genius. Um, he did it in Atlanta with the two-headed running back with Freeman and Coleman. He brings Coleman over to San Francisco. Little did he know the best running back on his team was already on the roster, Raheem Mostert. And you got Breda and a guy named Jeff Wilson Jr. who scored a bunch of touchdowns this year. So he's going to be able to do it, whether it's, you know, whoever it is, Shanahan is going to find the weakness and he's going to exploit it. I'm buying Kyle Shanahan for sure. Stevie, we've got Kyle on the sidelines. You can bet Mike's going to be sitting up in the press box. And how many times do you suppose Kyle has said, don't tell me what to do, Dad, over the course of this week? (laughs) Oh, I don't think so. I think that the fact that Shanahan is nothing like McVeigh in the way where he feels like an old coach because he's been around since forever. So he's not going to see he's already seen Super Bowls from from his point of view of of having his dad coaching two of them. I believe two of them. Right, Jeff? 
Yeah, it was two of them yeah. with Denver. Yeah, that's the one that John Elway bought both of those back to back. I think so. Right. You know, looking at that, he it's not like McVay. One thing I think that is kind of similar, and it's quoting one of the defensive uh, people on the uh, Chiefs team when they said they're not going to fall for the eye candy. And that's kind of what McVay was, a lot of motion, a lot of movement, but essentially in the end, you could read the play. Do you think Shanahan's kind of the same kind of coach that way? I mean, a little bit. He does some different things as far as motioning Debo Samuel and George Kittle kind of flip-flopping, you know, either side of the line before pre-snap. Um, it's going to come and Andy Reed. I mean, that guy's not going to fall for the eye candy, right? He's, he's seen it. He's done it. Um, it's going to come down to, you know, how disciplined is Frank Clark and, and, uh, how, how can he handle that? Cause Frank Clark's their best defensive player, in my opinion. Um, I think it's going to come down is the, are the lights too big for him or, uh, is he going to be ready to play? I think Shanahan, once he settles down, uh, won't be looking to try and trick them. I don't think the trick plays are going to come into this game too too much. Does twenty eight to three play into this? Like, is Shanahan ever going to feel comfortable? I mean, he was the offensive coordinator of that Falcons team. He was. I, you know, given the fact that his father's been there and done it, uh, had success and been unsuccessful. I think Shanahan is going to be more prepared for adversity. If he if they fall behind, I think he'll be able to put a game plan together, keep his guys together, and not kind of lose sight of what the end goal is. You know, football sixty minute game. You can be losing for fifty nine minutes. All it takes is is that last minute. So he'll keep it close. I I don't foresee another. Which I hate the Patriots. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan to be honest. So um, that explains. I was. I was really pulling for him, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't foresee that happening again. Uh, you know, two times. Oh gosh, if he does that, uh, maybe, maybe I'm all wrong about Shanahan. <laughs> and the crazy thing, Stevie, is even if San Francisco would get up twenty-eight to three, we know the Chiefs aren't out of it. No, they scored uh, three scores in three minutes thirty-three seconds against the, uh, not the Titans, uh, the Texans the weekend before, correct? And they were down. 17 nothing against the, the Titans. So, no, there's no lead that's safe. And that's the thing. You had Brady and the Patriots chipping away to get back from 28-3. They can do it within less than half of a quarter. The thing, though, right now is we are going to see, in my opinion, the way I look at it, since that happened at that Super Bowl, we're going to see eight plays in a row in a drive. If they can score on eight, nine, ten runs, no Jimmy G passing, we could see less than eight passes in this game from Jimmy G, which to me, I I think we made a statement earlier, and I forget exactly, I'm paraphrasing it, but basically, I don't think they trust Jimmy G to be a better quarterback. I think they're going to rotate those runners out and see what they can do. Maybe have Debo Samuel on a sweep. They're going to have him as another running back. They might even have George Kittle come and throw him a quick jailbreak and just punch people in the face and try to run downfield. That's the extent of what I see. I don't see any deep balls from Jimmy G at all. No, I'm kind of right there with you. Yeah, Jimmy G, he's completed or thrown 27 passes in two games in the playoffs, which is unheard of. 
But if you go back looking throughout the regular season, they're seven and zero when Jimmy G throws for over two hundred and fifty yards. So, and that game against the Saints. Now, granted, the Saints defense is nowhere near in the class of the 49ers. But when you go into New Orleans and win a shootout against Drew Brees, um, that gives you some legitimacy to say I can win a game if I need to. Yep, they've, it just seems like they've completely lost faith in Garoppolo since he threw that interception earlier on in the playoffs. Let's uh, let's talk about Mahomes. 31 games played in his career, three seasons. 2017, he only played one game. 2018, 5,097 yards, 50 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions in his first full season. This year, 4,031 yards, 26 touchdowns, 5 INTs, only played 14 games. Of course, he's the dual threat in 2018, 60 rushing attempts for 272 yards. In 2019, 43 attempts for 218 yards. Second in the league in QBR, 76.3. For the postseason, 46 of 70, 65.7% completion percentage, 615 yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. Actually, it might be nine touchdowns. I think they just threw another one against that Houston defense. Um, But he has been sacked 17 times in 2019, so you can get to Mahomes. Stevie, he is the defending MVP. It's like, did, did we all just fall in love with Lamar Jackson and forget about Patrick Mahomes? Well, I think it's what Jeff says is, what have you done for me lately? No one sees any kind of, uh, you know, they, they like the new toys, too, just like in wrestling. You know, Mahomes is already considered to be an old toy. But, man, I mean, this kind of stuff, what they had to overcome, when he had that lower body injury, that ankle injury, and I think it was even in game one or game three, of the season, and yeah, it was dude. I was thinking almost then it's oh, like that's the RG three thing. Like it's over. He's never yeah. going to be the same. Dislocated his patella. I mean, this kid's tough. He doesn't look like much. He reminds you of Kyler Murray in a way because he's so much smaller than a lot of the monsters on the field. But man, he's dor He's durable now and deserves, in my opinion, looking forward. This is this guy. Just just off topic a little bit. This guy will be the first quarterback if there's any if there's going to be one in the near future that's going to get a deal that's a percentage of the cap for the team. I see Mahomes being the first player to do that. I'm hearing 200 million at 40 million a year is what they're talking about for Patrick Mahomes. As it is right now, his base salary is $735,000. Still more than any WWE wrestler. <laughs> but more importantly, like they have this season and next season, and that's kind of the window for Kansas City because this team is going to get blown up. You start paying Patrick Mahomes $40 million, you're not going to have all those weapons on the outside. Jeff, what do you? what's your kind of take on Patrick Mahomes? Uh, he's obviously a super talented guy. Um, and honestly, I doubted his toughness prior to this year. I, I didn't think, you know, he's going to come back after the lower leg injury. He's limping every single game. Then he dislocates his patellar tendon or or the, the kneecap there, which you would think would knock most guys out. He was ready to go. He said he wanted to play the next game. He only missed two games with, with pretty significant what looked like to be significant injuries um his talent's undeniable he's he's rushed for over 50 yards back-to-back games and that's a key for the Niners too if you go back and look at the stats the Niners are either the worst or the second worst defense when it comes to giving up yards to the quarterback on the ground they allowed five yards a carry for the quarterbacks on the ground and Mahomes looks like he can do that 
Um, he's sneaky, really good feet in the pocket. He's elusive inside the pocket. His ability to throw the ball on the run is is the best in the in the NFL, no doubt about it. And he's showing us consistently he will tuck the ball and run and do some damage when it comes to that. So he's he's as dangerous as they come in the NFL. I, was I mean, not, let me just can I follow up one quick yeah, thing? Absolutely. Just going back to that salary cap thing because I don't know this part of it, but he could also be the first quarterback, which they should have did with Brady a long time ago, to get a small percentage of ownership in the team to keep him there because he said he wanted to play his whole career there. Does that is that a conflict of interest, Jeff, or is that a something that isn't allowed with the CBA when it comes to a player contract? You know, I wouldn't know. I don't know the exact details uh, with the collective bargaining agreement kind of, you know, in lieu of a a pay contract, give him some stock in the team. It's a very interesting idea. And unless the NFL does something, they move the cap up every, you know, it seems like every year they're trying to adjust because these NFL players want the NBA money, right? They see these contracts, the guy seventh, eighth guys on the roster in the NBA are making more than your stars in the NFL. And those guys want it. Obviously, it's apples and oranges. You have a much smaller roster with the NBA and 53-man active roster in the NFL. Um, I think it's a, a really interesting thing that they should look at, Stevie, that uh, involving these guys in the ownership um, or letting them get some stock in the team rather than paying them all that money up front. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. I think Jargo hit it right. You're seeing you have this window of time before you have to pay your quarterback. You have to win the Super Bowl in those, we'll say, five years. If you don't, you're going to end up paying all these guys. There's a a plethora of contracts you're going to have to pay, and then you're not going to be able to keep all those guys. The team starts getting picked apart, and you're not going to be in Super Bowl contention anymore. It's an interesting time in the NFL, and every team seems to be going through that cycle. Nobody's, except for the Patriots, uh, and I don't know how they do it. it's It's a credit to Bill Belichick, really, the greatest coach of all time to be able to keep a team intact or put somebody, you know, next man up and continue to win. Very, very difficult thing to do. It helps when Brady takes only $17 million. Yeah. Yeah, Giselle bunched and helps him out with that. (laughs) Yeah. But the inverse of that too, is if, if Mahomes wins the Super Bowl and it's that you can also have a trend of veteran, but not over the hill players that want to come and get that ring with him. And then that, that's the other end of your salary cap that you can try to keep low. Absolutely. Sammy Watkins said, uh, like, go back to Jargo, we didn't have a ton of coverage in the, in the press week, but uh, Sammy Watkins came out and said that he'd be willing to take a lower contract to stay with the team and continue to play for rings. Uh, will a guy like Tyree Kill say the same thing? Uh, I don't think so. I think Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins are two, two different characters. Um, and obviously Tyree kills is a much better receiver in my opinion, but, um, you would see that. I think you're right, Stevie. I think that you do see it even in the Patriots in particular guys willing to take lower contracts to get that ring. Um, and a lot of these guys want to play to get a gold jacket. So how do you do that? You know, you got to get noticed. How do you get noticed playing the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that's going to play into it is the CBA is up for negotiation at about the same time as Patrick Mahomes' contract. So we could see a little bit of negotiation there as well, like throwing in stock option if it's not already inside of the CBA. Let's talk about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo quick. 
It's his sixth season, and he's already in search of his third championship ring, even though the first two don't really count because he didn't really do anything to earn them. 42 games in his career. He tore his Achilles in 2018, only played three games. 2019, 69.1% completion percentage, 3,978 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. His career rushing attempts, 94 attempts for 116 yards. It's basically a season for Patrick Mahomes. 12th in the league in QBR, 58.8. In the postseason, 17 of 27, 63%, 208 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But he can get it done if he's asked to. You brought up week 14 in New Orleans earlier, Jeff. 26 of 35, 349 yards, four touchdowns, one interception it's like we have just completely abandoned this entire principle that jimmy g is any good i mean let's remember this is the guy that bill belichick wanted to be the heir apparent to brady like jimmy g can play i don't think there's any question about that but it's very much what have you done for me lately it's just lately he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot stevie what's your take on garoppolo do you buy or sell on garoppolo well, he better he better thank God every day about the flake gate because without those games and showing him him and Jacoby Brissett to show when Brady was off for those four games, those two guys that that got them their contracts essentially where they were. Um, yeah, he's good, and that's another thing we're talking like you know it's just comparison of what Mahomes does. Mahomes makes the difference in the game. He is the difference maker. Garoppolo is within a system where he, they play to his strengths and they try to hide his weaknesses. That was what Brady was for a long time with Belichick. That's why I believe Garoppolo would have did great in New England because Kyle Shanahan is essentially using him as a system quarterback with the run sprinkling with passes. So, no, these guys, I mean, whoever the worst player on the practice squad in the NFL is could fucking smoke me every day of the week so i'm not saying we're speaking in terms of just comparing these guys to each other not not in general jeff i don't think there's any question that patrick mahomes is the better quarterback in this game at least that's the way that he is perceived but when i look up and down this roster i think san francisco actually has the better roster outside of patrick mahomes yeah i think san francisco uh has the better roster outside of the quarterback position. Jimmy Garoppolo is basically out there to not lose a game, right? Where Patrick Mahomes is out there to win the game. Completely different philosophies on the quarterback. I don't know that, you know, in a buy or sell situation, Jimmy Garoppolo is overpaid in my opinion. Um, Stevie hit it right on the head. Thank God for Deflategate because he wouldn't had a sniff of what he's of what he's getting paid right now had that not happened. And you know to go along with that, he played under Bill Belichick in a system that was made. I mean, Jacoby Brissett was successful in the, in that system, who was a third string no namer. Um, he got to he got to really reap the benefits of playing in a Bill Belichick system. And Shanahan's is not too much different. Just don't lose the game. Don't turn the ball over. So, Jargo, when you said they lost faith in him after the one interception, you're right. Uh, That's probably – that has some truth to it because he's out there to not turn the ball over. Don't lose us a game. Turnovers lose games. So he goes out, throws an interception at the end of the game. Well, guess what? Tevin Coleman, Raheem Oster, and Matt Breda, Jeff Wilson, if we need him, we're just going to run the hell out of the ball. Yep. So basically, he's Alex Smith 
I mean, really, that's what he is. You know, it's a recycle of the Alex Smith, don't lose this game. And I think Alex Smith had a little more prolific arm compared to Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo's receivers lead the league in yards after catch. So when you see 26 for 349 against the, against the Saints, a lot of that damage was done. Short pass, Debo Samuel, George Kittle taking the ball after they catch it and breaking it for 50, 60 yards. Was that the game where Kittle carried like six guys on his back for like 15 yards down the sideline? Yeah, when he just said, I'm not, you're, you're not going to tackle me. I'm just going to, I'm a bigger man than you are. My dick's bigger than yours. And I'm going to walk 10 more yards to get into field goal range. And you're not going to stop me. Let's uh, take a look at some of these offensive numbers because, you know, on paper, you would think Kansas City is just smoking San Francisco. We all know how high-powered that offense is, but for the season, they average 28.2 points a game, San Francisco 29.9. Yards per game, Kansas City 379, San Francisco 381. Third down, they're pretty even. Kansas City's a little better, 48 versus 45. But, you know, the number that I have been on all stinking year is this time of possession. Kansas City is averaging 29 minutes and 27 seconds. And in a couple of these games, they only had the ball for like 23 minutes. Hell, Detroit damn near beat them because they just played keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's clearly the strategy when you play the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why I'm just baffled that the Titans just laid an egg even after starting fast. Passing offense, Kansas City, number five in the league, 281.1 yards per game. San Francisco's rushing offense, number two in the league, 144.1 yards per game. Stevie, you would think that Kansas City is this high-powered offense. It would just blow San Francisco off the page, but that is just not the case. Well, everybody's everybody's going back to the 50-plus touchdown season he had last year, talking about Patrick Mahomes and how explosive they are. These points came within, like like the playoff games, within a short amount of time. So the time possession, I, I thought they had the ball a lot, a lot less time than even this. So that's good for them that at least are holding the ball a little bit longer. Let's not tell you, you know, Jeff mentioned it before about the two injuries that Patrick Mahomes had. They had to slow the offense down to get him acclimated to make sure he wasn't, you know, getting hurt or too much movement unless it was necessary. And... The whole thing from San Francisco, that that their amount of yards really surprised me too. 380, 381.1, which as much as they rush, I, I thought that number would be almost kind of cut in half and mostly all rushing yards. So it's you know, the numbers don't lie, but I think I think this year too, going back to Kansas City very quickly, they fought for everything this year. It didn't come easy. So the the really the the not the stats or the numbers, but I forget the word. C to CTE kicks on me sometimes, Jeff. But uh, whatever factor that's not in the numbers, you know, is real. really just something I think that means more than what we're looking at here. The fact that they had the fight, the fact it wasn't so easy and they still got here makes them very dangerous. And taking Mahomes out of those couple of games absolutely skews the stats a little bit, too. I was not sad when he didn't play against Green Bay as a Packers fan, <laughs> you know, like I was like, thank God. I think Green Bay was the worst thirteen and three team I've ever seen in the NFL. Well, they weren't a thirteen and three team. They were they were like a nine and six team that was pretending to be a thirteen and three team. <laughs> the the last game, a little off topic. The last game they played, where uh, all that seeding was on the line in Week Seventeen with the Saints, the Niners, 
and, and Green Bay when they absolutely had to win against the Lions, and they just came out and honestly, I thought they were going to get beat. And the Lions are very subpar. They're 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 trash. Well, we say that, but the Lions gave us the blueprint to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That Detroit game completely exposed Kansas City and gave everybody the blueprint. You just keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes and you run the ball down their throat. That's pretty much how San Francisco is built. I just I don't know what Kansas City is going to do to stop this San Francisco offense, which statistically looks pretty damn good on paper. We haven't seen anybody lay out the plan to beat San Francisco yet. Yeah, uh, I mean, Seattle didn't really lay out a plan. That was a, an outlast kind of game that Seattle did. And, you know, there's some teams that are out. You just can't beat other teams. So Seattle's going to play San Francisco tough every time. Um, it's going to be Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo's passer rating is absolutely terrible when he's under pressure. I think he goes down from a 102 passer rating overall. His passer rating when he's under fire is down to six, somewhere in the range of 64 to 68. It's not very good, which is why he's leading the league in yaks, yards after catch. It's a quick game, what they call red game in football. Two, two three-step drop. I'm going to get it out of my hands and let my let my dogs do the work. Um, it's going to come down to Frank Frank Clark and Chris Jones putting pressure on him, putting him on the ground, getting their hands up. I mean, that's huge. People forget how or don't know how big it is to have those defensive linemen get their hands up, which I'm sure that's been pumped into their head by Andy Reid. You have to get your hands up every single play because Garoppolo is going to throw a low trajectory ball for a quick pass and let the dogs go to work after they catch the ball. So I, I, I would really look defensively for the Chiefs. Frank Clark, Chris Jones, what can they do? How how athletic can they be? And obviously they're monsters. So those are the two guys I'll be looking at when it comes to defense. Stevie, anything you want to throw in there? Yeah, I would look out for uh, for Tyra Matthew, really. If you can scheme him the right way, and especially if you're doing some kind of you know blitz with him where Garoppolo might have to hold it because he's pressured, step out, give me – I mean, I think – San Francisco, like, scared the hell out of Aaron Rodgers. He, they beat this team, that team up. If the Chiefs can kind of beat up Kid, like, kind of beat up Garoppolo, and maybe even with Tevin Coleman's shoulder being hurt, not try to hurt him, but but make it to where they beat his shoulder up quite a bit, to where now you're down to two running backs. You know, There's Pop no Debo, Sam. Sorry, oh, Stevie. Go ahead. No doubt in football games when the, somebody's hurt. Uh, like Tevin with the separated shoulder, um, they're going to be popping him up. They're not going to tackle him down low. They're going to put their head right in his shoulder and trying to get him out of the game. I, so you're saying like they jam him up and another guy comes in kind of like when they blow the whistle and the guy doesn't get knocked down? Absolutely. And they, they gave so much heat to Greg Williams for the targeting, like to, to try to break guys' ankles and stuff like that. Now, obviously, Greg Williams, the, the uh, accusation when he was paying defensive players to go out and hurt people. I don't think that's the case, but I, just the savages on that side of the ball, when they, you know, it's like a shark. You smell blood in the water, you're going to go after it. If you think Tevin Coleman's shoulder is not 100%, you're going to hit that shoulder as hard as you can every single time to get him out of the game. Yep, absolutely. Let's take a look at the defenses. Kansas City, they're 16th 
in the league for defense, giving up 19.2 points per game, 349.6 yards, 37% on third down, their time of possession, 30 minutes, 33 seconds, but most importantly, number 26 against the run, giving up 128.8 yards a game. San Francisco, by comparison, the number two defense in the league, giving up 19.4 points per game, 281.8 yards, 33% on third down, time of possession, 20 minutes and the number one passing defense giving up only 169.2 yards a game. Stevie, it's all going to come down to shutting down Mahomes for the San Francisco defense. The real question is, can the Kansas City defense stop the run? Well, that's where, you know, like Jeff said, that's where Jones and uh, Clark come into play to try to try to really beat those linemen, push them but the linemen and push them back. But I go back to Tyron Matthew. I mean, if he can play uh, an Ed Reed type position and come up a little bit and try to at least minimize the yardage, that that can also help out a lot. Jeff? Which team are you thinking this defense is going to come through? Because the San Francisco defense is very, very young. There's a bit more experience on the Kansas City side of the football. It's not just are the lights too bright for Kyle Shanahan. Are the brights are the lights too bright for the San Francisco defense? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you look at their front four. So San Francisco is not a big blitzing team. They're they're definitely towards the bottom five uh, overall for blitzing. Um, and that's because of the talent they have up front. Nick Bosa, uh, DeForest Buckner, uh, Eric Armstead, and D Ford are just f- absolute freaks. They don't have to blitz in order to get to the quarterback. And that's what helps that secondary so much. You talk about the number one passing defense. Well, that's because you're you're only rushing four guys basically every play. You have your linebackers there to cover the middle. You have your outside guys, which Richard Sherman had a phenomenal season. I don't know how he still does it. And that that's come down to scheme as well. Um, and the the Mosley kid, who's a young kid playing opposite uh, Richard Sherman now, has been making big plays. Um, I think if you're going to see somebody get attacked on on the defense, it's going to be Jimmy Ward for the San Francisco 49ers. I think he's uh, he's their weak spot on their defense, on a great defense. Um, if they're gonna they're gonna try and get some some mismatches with their their fast guys on Jimmy Ward to get those big impact plays that KC is so used to doing. I want to follow up a question for Jeff. Uh, I, I left his name out, but he could be the X factor because he has the most amount of experience in this situation, meaning playoffs and then the Super Bowl. What about Terrell Suggs on the defense? T Sizzle. Yeah, he's uh, I mean, he's a rotational guy. He's older. But when you talk about having that that experience, it's invaluable. So when he comes in the game, I mean, just last game, you saw him. People are trying to come at the knees. He puts his hands up. He's knocking passes down. He almost had an interception on his own tip. Um, I think that's absolutely imperative for the young guys like Frank Clark, like Chris Jones, who have never been there before to say, hey, guys, this is how you conduct yourself. This is what you're going to need to prepare going into this game um, and treat it. You know, that field is 100 yards between the end zones, just like every other field. A lot of those guys get caught up media week uh, and, and then into the Super Bowl. I mean, it's the biggest sports event in the world, right, every single year. So. And they're, they're human beings out there. Regardless of whether they're pro athletes, they're still human beings. They still get the nerves. Um, your boy Donovan puking his guts out in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think T-Sizzle's big. I think you're right. You're right on the head with that. 
Well, that's the funny thing about that too, is like, I mean, just my own little thing. And I know you probably have a lot more experience leading up to certain things, but we're wrestling. It's a van upon a van upon van. And you have like maybe a TV or a pay-per-view. It's like getting warmed up or putting on your gear too early or doing what I the timing of all these practices and this stuff leading every part of the itinerary leading up to the game could affect one team or the other. Oh, absolutely. I was just listening to Usman, who's the welterweight champion in the UFC, and he's he was talking about his his what he does pre-fight. I mean, it's planned out. This is what you got to do. Now, if you've never been there before, you don't know what you're doing. So you got you need guys on San Fran's side of the ball. Richard Sherman's, you know, taking the lead over there. He's as, as experienced and ha- I mean, that guy's Listen, he's awesome, right? He might be the best cornerback to ever play the game. He's never rattled. So you, he sits down and talks to these young guys. This is what's going to happen. Terrell Suggs is, like, like you said, Terrell Suggs is, is that for the Chiefs on that side of the ball. Absolutely. It's amazing Sherman still got the knees after all the lateral movements that he has made over the course of these years. It's amazing his knees are still good. Uh, let's talk about a couple other players that I think are going to be a huge part inside of this thing. Stevie, you have brought up Matthew, the Honey Badger, a few times on this show. He's got four interceptions in 2019, and you know he is going to be all over Patrick Mahomes. Although it doesn't matter because, you know, Mahomes could be looking to the right and throw it to, like, freaking Vegas. <laughs> sure. Well, my, Matthew doesn't play on the—he plays on the same team. I hope he doesn't try to pick off Mahomes. Well, he, he might. Be a heel, he a heel might. turn for Matthew playing for the other team at the Super Bowl. That would be a, that'd be a hell of a story. Clearly, I have CTE, too. <laughs> Clearly, that's what's going on here. I haven't slept in like 16 hours. Um, Kelsey, I think, is going to be huge in this game, more so as a blocker. I think you're going to see a lot of catching or the block and release out of Kelsey, where he's going to help out on somebody like Bosa, and then he's going to pop off, and then Mahomes is just going to hit him, and he's going to take off running. Jeff, what do you think? I think that's that's pretty accurate. First of all, he has to. So whether or not they wanted, whether Andy Reid wanted to do that or not, as far as far as like trying to trick the defense, he has to stay in. He has to chip block and then leak out. Um, and what what's great about it is Mahomes. Uh, he's so elusive. So he's going to make the first guy miss nine times out of ten. And to roll out of the pocket he's got the dogs coming after him whether it's armstead whether it's bosa whether it's buckner he needs that quick outlet that's travis kelsey now for some reason the last two games that i watched with travis kelsey he's dropped like his first two passes so and and that's not even the super bowl are the lights too big for travis kelsey i mean he talks all the shit in the world he he's the biggest shit talker i think on both teams richard sherman's close but travis kelsey he's the man um it's going to be time for him to step up and show whether or not he is the man. Uh, I don't know that I buy Kelsey in, in the big situation, he, and they're going to lean on him. It's going to come down to him with, with, with that pass rush up front. Yep, absolutely. Two guys that nobody is talking about because, number one, they're not necessarily the greatest players in the NFL. A couple of linebackers for Kansas City, Ben Neiman and Anthony Hitchens. What do they have in common? They played at the University of Iowa, and they played at the University of Iowa – with George Kittle. Stevie, is there any chance that maybe they just know a couple of Kittle's tendencies? Maybe, you know, they picked up a couple of things in practice going back to the U of I. Maybe they have the answer for Kittle. Well, that's an interesting interesting question, and maybe I'll just pass along to Jeff, because is there some kind of 
say, coaching you a completely different way to change some of your playing habits between college and coming into the pros or with Kittle, he's, he looks like it's been pretty seamless. I mean, if he didn't change his tendencies from the university of Iowa, these two guys could pretty, pretty much read all his tells. Yeah. Uh, I think that is the case in a lot of, in a lot of times. However, there are guys like George Kittle. Um, if you can find a weakness in George Kittle's game, please show me. Cause I don't see it. I bet I, if I had to guess Neiman and Hitchens are pissed off. They got a play against Kittle. They were happy at University of Iowa to have, you know, George Kittle or whether it was Noah Fan University of Iowa is is tight end you now. See Stevie, I'm not the only one that says it. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh they they put out some serious some serious dudes from Iowa. They're, and they're they're just bred to be a tough team. I don't know that there's a George Kittle weakness or a tell that you can exploit on that side. I think Neiman Hitchens and uh, the other guy, Reggie Ragland, who is an Alabama guy. um, I think they're going to have their hands full with George Kittle. I I don't think they're happy about seeing him. I don't think anybody's ever happy to see Kittle. That's for sure. Well, maybe his mom. No, probably not. See all those pimples on his forehead? He's probably not happy to see George Kittle. That's true. The the hair, man. (laughs) And he's just hitting puberty now. Imagine when he becomes a man. (laughs) Oh, dear God. (laughs) Um, And really, it's that Kansas City offensive line. You brought it up earlier, Jeff. That, That San Francisco front seven, but really that four. That four is getting pressure on quarterbacks 44% of the time without a blitz just because they're absolute monsters. Can the Kansas City offensive line slow those guys down? I mean, we know how escapable Mahomes is. We know that he's great off the run, that he'll throw it behind his back and off the uprights, and somehow it'll end up in Kelsey's arms. But can the offensive line hold these four guys back? I think Eric Fisher has been a disappointment this year. Um They've been giving up, uh, like you said, they gave up quite a few sacks this year, and it's coming from that left side, which is Mahomes' blind side. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz has been playing pretty well at right tackle. Eric Fisher, the first-round draft pick, hasn't really stepped up to the plate, um, and that's against guys not of the caliber, what he's about to see in Nick Bosa um, on that side of the line. He's he's going to see the best this time, and he's already kind of been exposed. So... I think Mahomes is probably practicing his dance moves right now because he's going to be moving a lot in that pocket. There's no doubt about it. And I just I don't see any offensive line holding up for 60 minutes against that front four. It's too good. It's too good across the board. Jeff, did you play offense or defense? Uh, about a hundred pounds ago, I was a linebacker. <laughs> oh, so these you, these guys are holding every play, right? Oh, every single play. I used to. I mean. They get into your shoulder pads. They're going to grab at the jersey, and you know it gets called. Everybody complains about the holding calls. It's not a lie. They could call it every single play. So you get in a guy's head. You get you get frustrated holding like that. Uh, you're going to see tempers are going to be flaring. I believe. So what's the just did because it's kind of football one on one, and having a football player on here is great. What determines at least in this day and age of the NFL when people are watching this game, what is supposed to by the line, determine a hold to what a block is. So a hold is if you get your arms outside the shoulders. So if you're grabbing a guy around the shoulders, that's an automatic hold. If your hands are inside 
uh, on his numbers. Um, you can actually get your hands underneath his, his shoulder pads, um, and that's not a hold. If you see separation of jersey from body where there's a grab, that's a hold. So, I mean, when you're talking about the, the, the stretch plays where it's a zone blocking scheme, we're running it to the right side, and our running back's going to pick the hole. In that case, everybody's doing a stretch block. So when they do that, the offensive linemen almost every single time come out, put their arms around uh, the defensive lineman. You could call a hold right then. Um, obviously, the NFL doesn't want that because you're talking about a complete disruption of the game. But um, every every defensive lineman's going to complain for a call every single time an offensive lineman does that to him. Um, and especially when you guys have you, those guys have the pedigree that San Fran does. They're going to be looking over to the ref every single time uh, the ball snapped, really, because they're you're going to have to hold those guys sometimes to give Patrick Mahomes some time. So essentially, these guys, if they hope to get the call, if they don't get the call, it's going to be a big play. But in hopes of getting in the call, do, do they ever flop? Oh, absolutely. Um, you can watch uh, a guy who's kind of away from the play, thinks he should be in the play. He throws his arms up in the air and acts like he's his shoulders got twisted. And it really wasn't that. They're going to try and sell for that uh, for that hold. When, when they think they should be in the play, they're not in the play. Patrick Mahomes is running by them. They're going to flop. They're going to go down to try and get that call. And I'll tell you, uh, over the last two, three years, they've been getting that call more often. Is a game like the Super Bowl called the same way? Like, are we going to see a whole lot of these holding penalties? Like, I can see the San Francisco defense just irritating the Kansas City offensive line where they get so frustrated, they just start getting sloppy and you start grabbing people. In a weird way, it's almost better for Kansas City to go down the field in three plays when you're facing off with a front line like this. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they want to score quick. I mean, that's the, their whole offense is seems to be predicated upon it. Their time of possession doesn't really reflect that. But uh, I think, you know, when Benini says we were designing plays to score every single time, that means they want to hit the home run play. They don't want to be in a grinding game. They want the flash down the field and they got the guys to do it. Um, as far as, you know, refereeing goes, those guys are, are basically in tryout all year long. You know, the best crew does the Super Bowl. And at the same time, the lights are bright for them too, um, and they want to call the right game, and they get a little trigger happy with, with those flags. So uh, I hope not to see that because I mean it's it ruins the game just to see, you know, it's a flag every single time there's a decent play holding or defensive pass interference, uh, a lot of that nonsense which doesn't have to be called every single time, and then there's times where absolutely it should be called. I mean, and they don't. So you want to see those guys get it right, uh, but you want them to facilitate a good game. I mean, that's what the referees are there to do uh, and, and not interrupt the game or take over the game. Yeah, if I know what the referee's name is, he did a shitty job. Let's, yeah, talk, exactly. about, uh, let's talk about some San Francisco key players. Number one, obviously, George Kittle. And I, I think the biggest thing that is lost about Kittle is how good of a damn blocker he is. You know, when you look at that San Francisco offensive line, you almost have to consider George Kittle one of them. He's just a huge, massive man who really loves to get in your face. Stevie, with Kittle up there with these guys, that's how San Francisco's running the damn ball. 
Well, yeah, this is exactly why the Patriots got to the Super Bowl because Gronk was essentially shut down as a as a receiver, but his blocking skills got them and to the Super Bowl and essentially won them the Super Bowl. So George Kittle, that's that could be the sleeper, the sleeper skill that could win or lose this game as Kittle's blocking. He could have three receptions and be the most valuable player in the game who's not named the MVP. Jimmy Garoppolo somehow ends up winning it. Jeff, what's your take on Kittle and the blocking scheme against this Kansas City defense? Do you think they're just going to run the ball right up their freaking gut? Or are they going to try to kick it to the outside and see if the, the linebackers and the defensive backs can actually keep up? I think you're going to see a little bit uh, of more people playing head up with George Kittle on the D line. So you don't, you don't want to play inside George Kittle because he's going to collapse down on you. And that open, that opens up the outside where you're not going to be able to catch a guy like Raheem Mostert. He's just too fast, too explosive. So you're going to see these DNs kind of line up head on head up on Kittle, blow him up and then try to play off of that. Uh, I, what does George Kittle have three or four catches in the last two games? Yep. But San Francisco's out there dominating because their best offensive lineman catches the ball on a regular basis or at least has the opportunity to. Um, he's an absolute freak when it comes to blocking. He's a great receiver. Overall, he's the best tight end in the game, in my, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that can do what he does at the level that he's doing it. Um, so you're going to have to see guys. You're going to have to see uh, – Frank Clark, you're going to have to see that kind of defensive end where they're used to just dominating a tackle. Well, you know, he's George Kittle's probably going to be helping McGlinchey. That's their right tackle. His name's Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame. He's given up five sacks this year, which I think is the most across the offensive line. I would expect to see Kittle line up on that right side of the line most of the game um, and chip help on, on the defensive ends. And then, yes, he's going to leak out, and you're going to have to keep keep track of them uh, as far as the linebackers go, you know, with Hitchens and Neiman and Ragland, they're going to try and have to keep an eye on Kittle. Um, it's just a very difficult thing to do. Hitchens, sideline to sideline, one of the faster guys in the NFL that nobody talks about. Uh, Mozart, 41 attempts in the playoffs, 278 yards, just absolutely ridiculous numbers. Uh, but also Tevin Coleman with 28 attempts and 126 yards. Stevie, what do you think of these – Really, it's a whole committee of running backs in San Francisco. Like they have an overabundance of a position that everybody is in search of. All of a sudden, remember when uh, back in the day? I should say I don't know how long ago it was, but when Matt Breida was the San Francisco offense, like that feels like it was ten years ago. I think that was, I think that was two years ago, right? That Breida was the offense. Yep, and and they have a, a meme by the way. I'm sure you guys have seen it. San Francisco, uh, the Levi Stadium, completely empty like two or three years ago, and now this year completely full. It's just how quick this thing could turn around. Where Matt Breida isn't even mentioned in the show notes as one of the running backs. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just been ridiculous. Well, I was just going off playoff stats, man. I. I I only ha I only put like three and a half hours. Well, then, in this uh, run, what's man. the deal with Matt? I'm sorry. <laughs> My God, I mean, when anyway, you gonna beat that fucking dead horse about not getting enough sleep? Come on, man. I know, right? <laughs> I was up since three a.m. working out. So, I'm sorry. It's not fair. We all have our own cross to bear. So, but but Matt Breida, I'll go. I'll point this to Jeff. Like like, what's the deal with Matt Breida right now? Is it an injury or is this guy just gonna be fresh and could be the sleeper MVP for the game? 
I think Shanahan is a guy who does, he's a hot hand guy. So, you know, Tevin Coleman, you know, first game of the playoffs, he's the hot hand. We're going to ride him down pretty early on in the game, the second game. And Raheem Oster comes in and has absolutely, you know, puts up record numbers, 7.6 yards a carry for 220, whatever the case was. And now you have Matt Breda, who I think is fully healthy, just not having the opportunity. You have Jeff Wilson, who played early on in the season. Jeff Wilson Jr., an absolute no-name, who had some success, frustrated a lot of fantasy players. He was getting, he was sniping touchdowns, and that's all. They signed Jarek McKinnon in 2017 when uh, Shanahan and John Lynch got there. They went out, paid Jarek McKinnon from the Minnesota Vikings, and that guy is not even playing. They uh, Ostensibly, they have five running backs that can do the job at any point in time. Yeah, I mean, Kennedy's just tiny and fast. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and he was supposed to be the running, the receiver running back, kind of like the same setup they had with Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman in Atlanta. Um, but man, the Kelly Shanahan, he frustrates you as far as fantasy goes. I don't know if you guys play fantasy, but um, De- Devin uh, Devonta Freeman, you couldn't pick. One guy was going to have a big game. The next game, it was going to be the next guy. It comes down to schemes and who he thinks he's going to match up better with. So uh, Raheem Mostert seems to be matchup proof because he's just so fast. Um, he runs the ball hard. He hits When the hole's there, he hits it at 100 miles an hour. He's, uh, he's a tough guy to really prepare for. But uh, I think Shanahan's really loving that he's got you know four running backs at his disposal to use at any point in time. You, you know, you bring up fantasy football. Fantasy football, at least to – Pro players, you're a football player. I figured I figured you would be like pretty adverse to fantasy football because that's kind of like backyard wrestlers to pro wrestlers. Like <laughs> when you talk about fantasy, it's fun to play, but when when you start getting into this thing of guys getting mad at the players for that, and I've heard players just cut promos about fantasy football. <laughs> I mean, there there's people out there sending death threats when they when their fantasy football team flops. You know what I mean? Though, though, you know, and a lot of times uh, those are the guys that never played the game. Um, but yeah, fantasy football. I mean, what what a business! There's got to be one of the biggest businesses going. Um, but yeah, you're seeing a lot of a lot of guys that take it too seriously. Don't know what it's like to be on the field and understand that there's matchups. Um, that coaches are trying to take advantage of. That's why your player's not getting the blow, not just because, you know, they suck this game. It's not the case. You're in the NFL. You're there for a reason, but the coaches the coaches are there for a reason too. Let's talk if I also, uh, like you probably know that this number, if you lose the Super Bowl, how much money do you get as a player? <laughs> so <laughs> You know what I mean? There's, yeah. no, there's no real losers in this game. Yeah, there there's some pretty good bonuses out there, and none of those guys are poor. I don't not certainly not right now. No, they're certainly not hurting. Um, one guy that I started on my fantasy team this year because I'm smart, Debo. You know, everybody yeah, wants Debo's to talk. Crazy. People want to talk about the the receptions. Fifty-seven receptions, eight hundred and two yards. But the th- reason that you started him in fantasy football 
he could always just get a reverse and just bust it for 60 yards down the sideline. 14 rushing attempts this year, 159 yards, three touchdowns. Oh, yeah, and then there's Emmanuel Sanders who came over October 22nd. He's also got 36 receptions and 502 yards in San Francisco. Stevie, we talk about Kansas City and how fast they are. I mean, they they might as well be an Olympic track team at this point. Hell, they were talking about it at media day. But, you know, these San Francisco wide receivers, they're not too shabby either. Yeah, I mean, you put Debo Samuel. Now you're talking about his rushing attempts, three touchdowns as well. Now you have six running backs. So Matt Breida's got to be like, fucking trade me. Jeez, man, I can't can't get the ball at all. And then Emmanuel Sanders used to be, he used to be the Jets for Pittsburgh, for Denver. So now, like, you're looking at the guy who's, not even the fastest guy on the team, but still a fast player who has playoff experience. So you have a second guy here that could talk to these. Was he on the the Denver team with uh, with Peyton when they won in, or was he in Pittsburgh? He was, he was with them. Manuel's on that team. So you got another guy with Super Bowl experience that could speak to people that haven't been there before. So he he's going to say, and he's and he's playing. You know what I mean? He's not just a guy there to kind of like. Be a, be a leader like Jason Witten. This guy can play. So very, very dangerous. When he's allowed to pass, now that, that he has to get the ball. He can't, like like they said about, like Giselle said about Tom Brady. This is the inverse. Emmanuel Sanders can't pass the ball to himself. So he's got to get Jimmy G to throw him the ball downfield to get these yards. Yep, absolutely. Jeff, what's your take on the matchup between the San Francisco wide receivers versus that Kansas City secondary? So this is kind of what I was alluding to in the beginning of the show. I mean, um, Kansas City kind of gets knocked for their defense. What people don't realize, that's pretty much really relegated to what the rushing defense was. That was bad. As far as giving up yards to wide receivers, Kansas City's top of the heap. They're, they're, they're not giving up a ton of wide, rece- wide receiver yards. Um, on the flip side of that, San Francisco's got guys that can get open and and really do some damage. The good thing is, and I guess for the for the Niners in this case, is that they're doing every all the damage after the catch. They're not they're not concerned about I got to get Tyree Kill all the way down the field like like Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, even though Debo Samuel is a similar similar player, he's doing most of his damage. You know, between five and seven yards of catching the ball and then putting the twenty or thirty on afterwards. It's a very interesting matchup. Uh, uh, two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, I actually would give. If I had to take it, I would say that the, the Kansas City D-backs will do will fare better than the than the San Francisco wide receivers. How much of that is because of Jimmy Ward? Uh, I mean, Jimmy Ward, he's he's not playing up to where he should be. Um, and I think Richard Sherman's probably been in that guy's ear in particular to step up and, and, and say, you're going to have to step up and, and play a little bit better I, I, today. Um uh, particularly against that stable wide receivers. Um, and I think another guy we, we didn't mention, uh, Kendall Fuller, he's on, he's the D, one of the D-backs, one of the corners from uh, Kansas City. He's been exposed quite a few times. Um, so you have Jimmy Ward from San Francisco who's been exposed, and then you have Kendall Fuller who's been exposed on the opposite side of the ball. Um, it's going to come down to who can expose who more. Um, and that would go back to coaching and, you know, we're having a tough time with this game. It's such an evenly matched game on both sides of the ball, whether it's the players or the coaches. 
Yeah, absolutely. I had a quick question to follow up on that, Jeff. Who do you think, and maybe it's not so much, you're talking about Tyreek Hill who does a lot of streaks and just gets open. With these guys being exposed, who has the better route runners, San Francisco or Kansas City? I would say on the whole, I would have to go with Kansas City. Uh, Tyreek Hill has been polishing his game. Um, He's been able to run more of those 10 to 12-yard dig routes, which is they go up put one foot in the ground, come across rather than rounding that route, which a lot of fast guys do. So they would run to a spot and they're going so fast that they kind of make a a semi-circle at the top of the route. What really creates a separation is to run full speed, put one hard foot on the ground and go in the opposite direction. That's going to create the separation from the defensive back. And Tyreek Hill has been doing a lot better job at that over the last year. Sammy Watkins is a tight route. He runs tight routes. McCole Hardman seems to be pretty good. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I don't think there's uh, too many people that are as good at him as him uh, at creating separation. So overall, I would say Kansas City probably honors Debo's really, I mean, he's a rookie. So he's doing a phenomenal job as a rookie. Emmanuel Sanders, great route runner, has lost over the over a couple of years um and george kittle um he's not a precise route runner just like gronk wasn't you know what i mean it, it's get me i'll go to this spot on the field it will be open throw me the ball and i'll do my job afterwards yep, absolutely um one thing i think that's going to be interesting in this game is san francisco basically plays a cover three if kansas city can get out on them early it wouldn't surprise me to see him switch over to a man But versus the cover three, Mahomes faced the Chargers in week 17. It's basically the same defensive scheme. He only went 16 of 25 for 174 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He also had seven carries for 21 yards. One of his worst games of the season versus a cover three. Jeff, how do you force a team to change that defensive philosophy so that they go to a man-to-man so you can get somebody like Tyreek Hill over the top against a safety like Jimmy Ward? You have to come out and throw the ball, three-step drops, um, quick, get the ball out. Because when you're in a cover three, your defensive backs are already 10 to 12 off off the, off the ball. Um, and they're going to take an immediate three-step drop as soon as it snapped. So when you got a guy like Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, um, they're going to push. They're going to fake like they're pushing downfield at five yards. They're going to sit down. Mahomes peppers them, and then it's going to be, can you tackle Tyreek Hill when he has a ten-yard head start on you? Probably not. Um, so they're going to force San Francisco to walk up. Now, in the minute they walk up, you're in either a man zone or a true man. Uh, man zone is where you're pressed, but you're still dropping to your zone. Um, if they walk up on them, you're going to see, uh, I think, a little bit more of an exposure against that number one passing defense because because of the speed. Richard Sherman, as good as he is, uh, he's not going to be able to cover any of those wide receivers man to man. I don't I don't believe so. He's, they're too young. They're too fast. Um, and the Mosley kid who's starting opposite of Sherman, obviously he's unproven. He's had a couple good games in the playoffs to the point where they're starting him now. Um but how good is he going to be able to hold up against that speed? I think if they try to walk up on these wide receivers, they're going to have a hard time, particularly with Jimmy Ward trying to come over and help, and he's not been that good at it. 
Stevie, the other thing that we know about Richard Sherman is he doesn't travel. He stays on one side of the field because that's the scheme. How would you line up the Kansas City wide receivers against the San Francisco? Well, I wouldn't even get to that to that point yet before I try to give Richard Sherman some bulletin board material. Now, unless he's just working it to sound like he's got thin skin because he's been criticized, he's already done press conferences saying he's one of the best corners in the the game, which is also true, but he takes great offense to saying that you could throw outside of him, that he's a zone, he's zone, he's not a man-to-man. If they play into that and talk a little bit of crap before this game about there's no way you can cover Tyreek Hill man-to-man or the other receivers man-to-man, and he attempts to do it, that could be the point where they get burned right there. Of course, he's going to play one side of the field, but remember, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't throw to that side of the field either. He avoided them twice over the course of how many years? So he's got to be good, but... Is he doing what we call in wrestling a double swerve where he's acting like it gets to him? So now you're going to say, oh, we can throw towards Sherman and here comes Sherman or here comes another defensive person that's playing center field to take over and intercept that ball. But Jeff, when you got somebody like Tyreek Hill, wouldn't you put him against Richard Sherman? Because you know he's going to outrun him. Yeah, I think I I wouldn't shy away. And I don't think Andy Reid's that kind of guy to to say – I know Andy Andy Reid believes in his guys. I, I think you put Tyreek Hill. I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, put Tyreek Hill against Richard Sherman every single play. And you know what? Early in the game, let's throw him the ball because if Tyreek Hill has a couple big plays early on against Sherman, I mean that that guy operates on confidence. That's what Richard Sherman does. Uh, if you can break that early in the game, say in the first five to seven minutes. You know, all these guys talk about you got to have a short memory. Well, you can talk about it, and and being about it is a totally different thing. He comes out and Tyree killed three catches in a row and breaks one, has a bunch of yards. I mean, Sherman might be null and void for the rest of the game. And you're talking about one of the best to ever do it. I agree, um, but situationally, he's he schemes the right way. They did in Seattle. They're doing it in San Fran. If, he, if you can expose him early on and try to make him come up and make a tackle on Tyreek, and then he just puts one move on him, embarrasses him, and goes to the end zone, you're talking about Sherman having a long, long day. Well, gentlemen, we're now at the end of the show. I got your predictions off the top. Has anybody's mind changed? Are we both? Are is, is this a clean sweep for San Francisco amongst all three of us? Nobody's taken the Kansas City Chiefs? I think I did. Oh, you took Kansas City? I'm going yeah, with San I think, Francisco. I, I well, my video. I know I'm going to give him a hold on a second. <laughs> this, this thing here makes me want to pick Kansas City right here. This uh-huh. video game controller, because that's what I want to see. Hey, the Madden, the knock on wood. He's he's almost avoided the Madden curse, Patrick Mahomes. We never talked about that because early in the season it was like, man, that Madden curse hit him double. And so he's that good. If he can beat the Madden curse, I think that would also be a very huge accomplishment for him. I want, I want, I would love to see Kansas City win just because I do think San Francisco has a bigger window right now, slightly bigger, not much bigger, but to see that happen for Mahomes, and quite frankly, I mean, for the for the business of the league, exactly why we're worried about how much money he's going to like really need. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the new face; he's the new Tom Brady of the NFL potentially for the next five to 10 years with someone like Lamar Jackson, who's even more exciting to watch 
that you know the next five to ten years for business in the NFL depends on a Patrick Mahomes maybe winning the Super Bowl. All right, so Stevie, you're going to take Kansas City. What's the final score? After you gave the stats, I would say probably maybe 31-27 Kansas City. All right, Jeff, you, you said at the beginning of the show you were going to go with San Francisco. Has your mind changed? Are you going to go with the San Francisco 49ers? And what's your final score? Reluctantly, I'll say the Niners. I'm not rooting for them in the game. I'll be rooting for Kansas City. Um, I think Stevie's absolutely right. You want your baby face to get that to get the win in the big game, right? That's why Dan Marino could never be the baby face. He never won the big game. Um, so Mahomes, everything falls in line for for seeing a Mahomes win. I just don't see it. They're too good on on both sides of the ball in San Fran. I'm going to say 35-14. San Fran beats him up pretty good. Ooh, man. <laughs> that's like a that's borderline blowout, man. That's, yeah, that's it's, it's pretty I, bold. I, I think so. I mean, I just if Kansas City comes out, starts slow again versus the best grinding team in the NFL, uh, it's going to be tough. And they've shown two times in a row against subpar competition when you compare the Titans and Texans versus the Niners. They came out 24 nothing against the Texans, 17 nothing against the Titans. They do that again, um, and I don't see the Patrick Mahomes miracle working any uh, on this game. So, yeah, I'm a, a 35-14 Niners are going to do it. Just to follow up on that really quickly, I have, a, I have another bold prediction. First play of the game, if Kansas City has it, or even if they don't after their defense, whatever happens with San Francisco, straight shot. Take their shot. First play, Tyreek Hill. Test Sherman right in the first play of the game. I actually like that idea. Yeah, I think that's I I think that's how you the perfect idea. That's how you crush cripple that defense's confidence and just send Tyreek Hill. Put it in a spot where either Tyreek Hill's gonna catch it or it's just falls to the ground, you know, innocently. Everybody is taking the over, not me. I'm taking the under. I'm going to go San Francisco 17, Kansas City 10. I I think it's going to be a low-scoring, grind it out, 10 plays down the field for San Francisco. They're going to hold the ball for eight minutes. They're going to score three points, and then Patrick Mahomes is going to get the ball and have to face off with that San Francisco defense. And then San Francisco is going to get the ball back and march back down the field for eight, nine plays. Hell, maybe that time they actually, you know, they, they only take eight minutes off the clock and they don't even score. I could see it going that way. Yeah, it's crazy how this game is like you can see it's 50 50. You can see the you can see the big points get the defensive struggle. I think another guy you gotta watch too, and it's not offensive or defensive, it's on special teams, is McCole Hardman from the Chiefs. That guy can break a game open from his his run ability after he catches a kick or a punt, whatever it may be, and set up the Chiefs with great field position. Um, he's definitely a guy to watch if, if the Chiefs want to have success. I mean, starting you know close to the fifty or on the Niners side of the fifty would be a a, a good thing for them. Um, yeah, that's one thing we didn't even talk about on the show is is just the intangible stuff like special teams, the amount of penalties that you get in the game. These two teams are so close together that it could come down to something like a special teams and what your starting field position is. That could absolutely swing the game one way or the other. Absolutely. I mean, Robert, uh, 
Robbie Gould, he's hit 13 of his last 13 kicks, and I think one of them was from 54 yards or 55 yards, and he's an old man doing it. Uh, Harrison Buckers, I think 89% on the year for field goals. So, you know, it could come down to that, that who, which one of the kickers is going to be more accurate um, or a big special teams play. Yep, absolutely. Stevie, anything else that you want to say about the big game before we send things home? Let's hope this uh, this Super Bowl actually lives up to the hype, which what we said in the beginning, maybe it's just going to be that much more of an exciting game because it literally has not been hyped for the worst reason possible because of the Kobe Bryant and uh, all the people in the helicopter passing away. But maybe at the end that will lead to a greater appreciation in the game and, and the hype will not outlive or outweigh what the actual game is and please make the, the, the let's just shorten the halftime show let's make it 15 minutes let's stop concerts are concerts games are games this this increases i always think about thing with with wrestling as far as injuries and protecting the talent protect the players when you have so much time to cool down and you got to go back and you want an exciting second half there's going to be injuries people are going to get hurt and it's not going to be that because the rhythm's off. So let's just pregame, postgame concert, whatever you want to do, the halftime show, please cut it out. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you on that. Jeff, any final thoughts before we send it home? I, I think Stevie's right. I'd, I would love to see a game finally live up to the hype, um, which might be easier in this case because there hasn't been a ton of hype, again, for the worst reason possible, but there hasn't been a ton of hype on this game. Um but we, we could be in store for a really good football game with these two teams. Uh, and I, I hope it pans out just like that. Yep, absolutely. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Hit up our sponsor at getacregold.com backslash horseman and get at them on Twitter at get underscore acre. RBV and I will be back in your ear holes later on this weekend for a very special edition of HTM Sports. And then again later on this weekend for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can get at me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Jeff, how do people find you on social media if they want to pick your brain? Uh, I'm uh, I'm way behind the times. I got to get with with uh, that mean and let him blow up my social media game i got instagram and i don't even know what my my handle is i'll be honest with you so god bless you i want to be off social media so bad oh don't, man don't let anybody find you don't start a fitness brand online because then you have to you have to deal with it yeah i'm gonna have to hit you up for some fitness i i need to lose some weight stevie so but yeah uh, uh if i did a good enough job and i come back on the show here maybe pop pops uh, ben Hameen will get me set up on social media here so I can I can let you guys know. Oh, it's been an absolute you'll regret, pleasure you'll, having you'll, you on. You'll, you're going to regret it so much. You yeah. get on social media. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like the next thing you know, you're going to be on here like breaking down the XFL and nobody wants that kind of personal. I hope I hope you do that. I hope this is the beginning of a, of a regular thing. You did great, Jeff. You really uh, look forward to learning it. more. Yeah, and I am excited not to throw any shade on the NFL, but I am excited for the XFL. I, th I think me and Stevie are going to be covering some XFL. We'd absolutely love to have you back on, whether it be weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever you want to do. Man. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd love to do it with you guys. And I, I'm, I'm hyped about this XFL thing, man. Not to go on a tangent, but 
I think Vinnie Mac, if I had to hope, or whoever the powers may be in the XFL, I think they're going to attack not the NFL this time because that failed, and you're never going to stack up against the NFL. The real, the real victim in this is going to be the NCAA because you're going to talk about kids who are already being marginalized and maybe not making, you know, to the big D1 time, and they say, "Hey, man, come play with the XFL." Yeah, and we'll pay you right now and then in three years because the NFL still has the rule you have to be three years out of high school you can still go to the NFL if you come on our you know play for us show what you got and then you can still make the transition so I'm hyped for the for the XFL for sure it wouldn't surprise well, yeah, we could you, debate that I think we should do I'm sorry to cut you off I think we could do a really friendly spirited debate on that because coming from the wrestling and knowing Mr. McMahon knowing Vince uh and knowing like what's missing from the XFL that the NFL has, I'm talking about from union standpoint and other things that this could be this could be potentially you know a lot of headaches for them. I mean, they got a firefighters fund uh, suing them right now because of bleed over funds or whatever they're doing with resources between them. Exactly right. what Vince promised wouldn't happen, the muddy in the waters. So um, I think that was timed by the NFL somehow. There was, there was too much coincidence with that timing. But, I mean, these are things we could talk about. It's, I think there's a ton of things. And then the fun part would be obviously talking about the games and uh, what's going on. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's try to see if we can make that happen on a regular basis. The other thing that you have to consider in all that as well is within the next couple of years, the NCAA is launching that Fair Pay to Play Act where the players can actually sell their individual likeness, it wouldn't surprise me, at least at the big schools like Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, that those players will actually end up making more money than the XFL players. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think what the XFL ultimately turned into is the NCAA is going to have to find a way to pay these guys. They have to. Uh, whether whether it's selling their likeness or you know paying these guys a stipend, say hey, listen, you come to Alabama on a full scholarship. By the time you graduate, if you graduate, you will have two hundred thousand dollars in a bank account waiting for you because you played football and because you graduated. Uh, I'm not saying you need to give an 18-year-old all that money up front. Incentivize them to stay in college. Incentivize them to graduate, but also pay them for the work that they're putting in for your university, making your university millions, millions of dollars. Absolutely. Stevie, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you across social media? Oh, I just talked about social media and now I got to plug it. Um, I like Instagram best of all. I, you know, I have Instagram at Stevie Richards. Also, go to stevierichardsfitness.com. Check out the programs and videos that are up there. Um, you know, my main for, form of communication, I like hearing from people that have questions. You can email me, stevierichardsfitness at gmail.com. And of course, on the YouTube channel, search Stevie Richards. We just fast, passed, uh, we fast. I'm fasting right now. Uh, that's part of the diet there, Jeff. Uh, I just passed uh, 51,000 subscribers on YouTube. The newest video I put up had to do with power bands because of my arm injury. I'm using a lot of re resistance band training, but the power bands are, are a very interesting thing for people that want that heavy power style lifting, use the Wendler 531, things like that. So check out that video. And of course, like I said, go to stevierichardsfitness.com and check the, all that stuff out. Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!